0: Morning team, four minutes past five. Nice to have you company. Welcome along. Has this studio ever so warmed as our Nick? He really does. Mind you, some, it, it, it swings them roundabouts, about in it, because every single presenter has it differently. Nick has it nice and warm. Next door, it was uh, it was like an icebox. So then you wander between the two, and then the corridor in between the two studios is like a sauna. So you come in, take your clothes off, walk into one studio, put them back on again. It is. It's, it's, it's like walking through different rooms. It's most peculiar. And then Nick had it sort of what I call warm in here, because if, if, you know, if it's too warm, I tend to drift off a little bit. I'm at that age now where I sort of sit back. I'm quite, if I dim the lights a bit, I could be asleep within five minutes. It's quite nice. Nice to hear everybody's sort of bewildered views of Christianity, I thought. That was quite funny. You can never, ever get anybody to agree, can you? Nobody ever agrees with Christianity. That's why all wars are the subject to people arguing over Christianity. It's just absolutely unbelievable. Somebody will say, oh, well, it says this. Somebody will say it does that. And then somebody else will say, well, of course, what about creationism? And then this. Nobody nobody knows what the hell to believe. All I can tell you is we never came from Adam and Eve. Okay, that's what I can tell you. There was no, well, there might have been a Garden of Eden. But to be honest with you, I'm I'm not really sure whether or not it was the kind of place where there was Adam and Eve and a snake and an apple and all that kind of stuff. Because we saw how how the world was started. It was a big bang. And then we all came from these sort of little microcosm things, and it's just evolved. We know that through cave paintings, which were there thousands and thousands of years before anybody called Jesus started walking about all over Galilee. Popping in and out of bars and having drinks and born in a stable and all that kind of stuff. It's a good story. And I'll tell you what it was written for. But of course, there'll be tons of people who disagree, which is great. Uh, it, it was done because people in those days believed if somebody all of a sudden, uh, I mean, put this way, if you'd had somebody like David Blaine or Darren Brown, they'd have been executed because they'd have thought that they, they were witches and they, they, were, they had all these sort of powers and people who could make flames appear and that kind of thing. They'd have had them straight down the local Galilee market, off with a the red. They wouldn't have wasted any time at all. So that's what it is. It, it was a book designed to uh, to sort of tell people how to live their lives before people knew how to live their lives, so I don't believe that ever these people walking around, I don't be- I think it was just, they, they actually came up and they thought, what, what name? Well, Jesus is the most common name, so let's, let's call him Jesus and let's come up with Mary and let's come up with some wise men who had camels and like myrrh and stuff like that. So they sort of did it and then and the whole thing went on, but in fact it was all there before, wasn't it? Galilee was there before Jesus was born, must have been. Because there was a stable. They didn't just build the stable the night he was there. I mean, you could pull, a, you pull everything apart. You can make the Bible say whatever you want, which is actually the, the good part of it. People always worry about it. Say, oh, no, it says this. Well, it does if you go to Romans. You know, I remember we used to have one woman who used to come on LB Singer. it says in the Bible that man shall not lie with man. Well, it does if you read the right chapter. But on the other hand, you know, if you're a proper Christian, you don't really care what goes on, do you? As long as you live your own life, just mind your own business. Live your own life. Don't interfere with anybody else's. It's when people start having to tell you, you know, how to live your life or people can't live it. Because I'm, I'm totally of the opinion that the majority of people who actually go, go to church don't actually adhere to the Bible 100%. It's not possible. You cannot live your life by just one interpretation. You do what makes you happy. You know the difference between right and wrong. Nobody has to explain it, do you? Anyway, that's why you're listening to this programme. Ha, 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 We'll have the racing news later. Ha, 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 ha. Oh, dear. <laughs> Never mind. Uh, plus, of course, we'll have all your uh, texts and emails. Noreen? Noreen. Actually, I've only got a week to go before I'm on holiday. Everybody, I'm talking about every going on holiday. And uh, the airport's a chock a i And I'm, I'm on holiday, which would be nice, wouldn't it? not really sure, we're actually, about that. I'd have to work that one out nearer the time. But uh, I did send Noreen a late Jackie Lawson card. Because I thought, if you send a birthday card on somebody's birthday... It just kind of gets lost in the melee. But if you send it the day after, they'll always remember you were sending the late card. So I did. She says, I have to confess, I slept through most of the show on Friday. So by the time you'd finished, uh, so you'd finished by the time I saw the card. And loads of luck to Graham Cole, Tony Stamp of the Bill. You know, he did his last day on Friday. So we sent him a card as well. So I loved him on the bill. We met some of the cast in Sydney in 95. Watch The X Factor. What about the girl who wants to succeed as three sisters share a room and she wants to give them a good life? I know, this is another... She's a gospel singer, OK? And yeah, she was good, but she was vastly overweight. OK, I don't want to say that. I mean... And, well, she was a size 14, which I thought was—I thought size 14 at 18 is quite big. I mean, I'm not exactly calling that anorexia, am I? I'm calling that somebody's... And, yet, and the only reason I question that is because she was going on about, you know, there are, there are, there's me, my mum and my three sisters and a brother living in this house, in this council house, uh, and it's really crowded, and everybody laughs when I say I have to share a room with my sisters. And I'm thinking, but there's loads of people listening like that who have to share rooms with their brothers and sisters. It's quite normal. She was bleating on about it and moaning about it. And, I was, and then she said, I want to take them all away from that. Listen, I'm telling you, nice to have a dream. But believe you me, even Alexander Burke or Leona Lewis haven't made anywhere near the amount of money you think they've made. And the reason? They don't write music. They don't write songs. The only way you ever make money is if you write songs. You don't get diddly-squat if you just sing somebody else's. So later on today, and perhaps Nick Ferrari will ask them. JLS, have had a big hit. Not written by them. So they will have just got a fee. And that's the trouble. I remember talking to, uh, who did I talk to? God, what was that Liverpudlian girl group who had loads of number ones, three of them. At one time, Dreadful Kerry Katona was in them and Atomic Kitten. They never made any money at all. They had number one after number one after number one. And I remember talking to one of them and, uh, and she said, we never, never made anything. She said, you just got a fee. And that when people thought they were all loaded, but they weren't. So when you read of all these little boy bands nowadays, the only people who make the money... Are The record companies, great to actually give them that opportunity. And they go, oh, it's fantastic. How many of these actual groups sing live? Answer, pff, one or two. One or two, that's about it. Because the record company don't encourage them. You know that when we spoke to Pete Waterman, Pete, I, I said, you know, would you, lo- would you want um, uh, Steps singing live? He said, you're joking. He said, I wouldn't want Steps to ever sing live. The simple reason, he said, I've crafted that song in the studio. I don't want them going on television and screwing it up. The whole idea is you want them to sound good, so you let them mime. So they... The, the thing that used to make me laugh with Steps and with any of these groups is they start adjusting their microphones on their... You know, they've always got them stuck round their ears. And they've sort of got... And they start adjusting them, like, I'm thinking, you're not singing it! they're so stupid! It was done by Kate... Uh, Bush, years and years ago, when she was doing Babushka, and she did a tour as well, and they had to work out a microphone that could be clipped on that you could still hear, so they came up with this contraption that went round her ear, and now they give it to all these boy and girl bands, and they seriously think they're singing. And that's a sad thing. So they adjust it, and you think, if we actually turned off the click track, for that is what it is called, and, uh, and and then you just let them sing, you'd suddenly realise that they all sound as flat as Cheryl Cole. Cheryl Cole couldn't sing for Toffee. You know, sicker her in a studio, put her through auto-tune and everything out, and anybody can sing. My Auntie Enid could probably have a hit single. It's as simple as that. So that's why it's, it's funny when you see all these, these groups on the television and they start behaving like pop stars. They don't really know what pop stars do, but they think that just involves waving at their fans and signing autographs. The, the fact that, you know, that's about as far as it goes, and at the end of the night, it's like Marilyn Monroe. Marilyn Monroe, years ago, didn't have very much money at all. In fact, that's, that's evident by the little house that she had in Hollywood. I've been past it. Uh, compared to these mansions that people like Tom Jones have got, hers was a tiny thing. She didn't own anything. So if the, they had a big premiere, she would go to the studio in the afternoon. A car would come and pick her up, take her to the studio. Somebody would do her hair, her makeup, the clothes. They would then take her to the premiere. She would then do the waving and the smiling and, Ooh, and the skirt out and all the rest of it. Back to the studio, everything taken off. You know, the hair combed out again. Back home in the minicab. And that was it. That was the... And that's what it is nowadays. You ask Louis Walsh how hard these groups have to work when they're doing the rounds of interviews. And the answer is, they're absolutely knackered. Because they've got to do it. Because if you don't do it, you're not going to sell records. That's why, every time I turn on the television at the moment, it's Robbie Williams with this record, Bodies. Now, with the best will in the world, and sweet though Robbie is, not particularly talented, you know, as most of his audience sing the show for him, uh, that the song is... Is okay first or second time okay third time it gets a bit dreary and then when you see the video that goes with it well dear god can somebody explain to me what walking about in the desert has got to do with this in the middle of the desert there is a motorbike a motocross bike so he rides on that for a little while then that vanishes then they bring in a truck it's the naffest video i've ever seen and then he goes to the aeroplane graveyard there is this big place i think it's in the arizona desert where they've got all these planes which are now decommissioned and they just sit there and you can walk inside them, and, and, and he just clambers onto it. It's got nothing at all to do with the song. I was watching it thinking, this is a really naff video. What has this got to do with this song? And the answer is, has got absolutely nothing to do with the song at all. It's just a video. And now Robbie's in the paper today saying he would love to go into I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here. Of course you would, dear. You just want any publicity, don't you? You just want any publicity. Can you imagine how you... Exactly. Imagine how desperate you must be, where, you know, you're trying to maintain Robbie the image, and then you get Jonathan Wilkes piping up, and go, And Jonathan Wilkes is in the paper today saying, because he's done this before, Robbie, <laughs> Robbie's handbag, he says, Robbie's going to turn up for my last night of We Will Rock You. He said, I know he will, because that's a... And you think, you're just doing that to try and make sure you get a sell-out show... And it's and he's he had to do it last year for Pantomime, yet Robbie Robbie's going to turn up for me. And poor old Robbie Williams is so desperate he'll turn up to a pantomime now because he can't perform on stage because you remember, I told you, he's too frightened. He gets stage fright. I thought, I wouldn't worry about it, you don't need to sing half of it. You know, the crowd stand there and sing for you. But the, the new single, OK, video, really rubbish. It reminded me of that great not-the-nine-o'clock-news sketch years ago, which was, nice video, shame about the song. In this case, nice song, shame about the video. Imagine I want to go online to do extensive research on something dear to my heart. Morning, team. Oh, God, it's Monday. Nobody likes Monday, do they? Just been about a nice weekend, and all of a sudden you go, oh, it's Monday, don't want to do Monday. <coughs> doesn't make any difference to me. I love Monday. Nice to see that, um... um Oh, I've forgotten who it is now. Wait a minute. It'll come back to me in a minute. Don't, 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 don't prompt me because I can't remember the name. So it'll, it'll come to me. Lisa Snowden. Thank you. She did her, her parachute jump. And I was thinking to myself, do you think Johnny Vaughan would like to do it? Perhaps he'd like to do a parachute jump. My new bestest friend in the whole wide world. Bump into him every day. Sorry. Intentionally. And, uh, and she did the parachute jump. She liked it so much. She said she'd have another go at doing it. To raise money. And I reckon you could we, we could all take Johnny up there and go, one, two, three, way. You know, <laughs> it'd be good, wouldn't it? He could raise some money for charity as well. They're doing really well with their raising money for charity. Very, very good. Uh, Dave says, are you off to Blackpool for a week for your holiday? <laughs> <laughs> if only you knew how untrue that was, I'm afraid. Uh, Steve, the Bible was the first good housekeeping guide. Nothing, Exactly, it was there designed... To tell people, you know, if, if you want to be good citizens, this is this is what you have to do. And then they embellished it, and then it got bigger and bigger, and then they added new bits. And then we had the Old Testament, the New Testament. Then there was the New Testament abridged, and then there was the Old Testament, which was brought up to date. And then they found something else, and then they found this. And it isn't it, it till you see the Rosetta Stone in the British Museum, you suddenly realise this goes back ages ago. But in fact, life was up and running in Galilee and all these other places long before Jesus came on the scene. So it was a good story brought about, you know, and then they went, oh, of course, this is where you came from. People go, don't so silly. Don't so silly. Adam and Eve, where are they buried then? Where is, come on, where are they buried? You know, um, it, it just goes on. It's a good story. It's a good story, and that's all it should be. But by God, it's caused more wars than anything else. Uh, eight four eight five zero. Oh, steve at lbc dot co dot uk. Uh, we will have a look at the uh, the papers. I, I did look through a little bit earlier on, and try. There's a story about men tell more lies than women. Well, of course they do. Of course they do. That's how it works. Men always tell lies. Yeah. Did, did, hello, darling, does my ass look big in this? Sorry, does my bum look big in this? No. Lie number one. Of course it does. You know, what, what do you reckon to this outfit? It's lovely. Dear God, we're not walking out together. Back end of a bus, lovely. Uh, what do you think of this new lipstick? Great, if you're a hooker. You know, it's just, you know, everybody tells lies. Every single person tells, I don't care if they're Christian, I don't care who they are, everybody tells lies. Hello, how are you today? I'm fine. First lie. You never say you're fine. I mean, everybody says they're fine, but they're not really. What, what they really want to say is, oh, woke up this one. a bit of a backache, my neck aches, I haven't got enough money this month, I don't want to go to work, you know. But we go, I'm fine, mainly because you don't want to enter into a conversation with some dipstick who's been stupid enough to ask you the question in the first place. I had that the other day. So I said, how are you? I said, are you medically qualified? And they went, no. I said, well, I'm not going to tell you then, am I? I'm not going to start discussing my medical problems with somebody who's not even qualified. I went into a candle shop the other day. (laughs) I was feeling one of my particularly obstroperous moods. And, And the bloke went, you know, sort of like, hello, and how are we today? So I looked round and I said, well, I don't know how many you're seeing, but I think it's just me. I said, and I did my, are you medically qualified? He said, no, why? I said, well, you know, you're acting as if you know me and you don't know me. It's a bit American, isn't it? It's a little bit, hello? As they patronise you in their restaurants over there. And the trouble is, we, we can't c- quite get used to it. Because over here, you're very lucky to get any conversation out of a waiter anyway. Unless it's me. Yeah, if you, and also, you don't want to talk to somebody. You know, I don't want to sit down and start talking to somebody. Because I think, I know what you're doing this for. You want a tip. And I'm not, I'm not giving it to you. It's as simple as that. So you go into a restaurant. And the worst ones for doing it, TGI Fridays. Where they kneel at your table. I don't know if you've seen this before. They sort of kneel down. and go, Hello? And you go, oh, we'll just have a chocolate milkshake and a quarter pound shake. Would you like some topping on that milkshake? And I think, would you like a punch in the face? I'm, it just, you know, it's just, you walk into a shop. Sometimes you walk in and it's, it's happened to Amanda and it happens to me. And they jump on you straight away. You've barely had a, ch- it's like McDonald's. You go in there and you think, because nobody remembers what the menu is. So you stand there looking at and they go, can I help you? Can I help you? And then some of the other ends, can I help you? Shut up. You get really angry with them. You know, I'll tell you in a minute, all right? I'll be ready in a minute. I think I'll have... Hmm, I don't know. I don't know. What, what What would you recommend? Well, that throws them completely, because they've got no idea. Because they don't know the menu either. What would you recommend? And what? what is the chef's special today? Try that one in McDonald's. Go on, I dare you. Go go to McDonald's today. Stand there looking at the board. Take all the kids in and have them standing around. You know, with little tears. Just put some glycerin in their eyes and have little tears running down their face. You know, Daddy, can we have? Some? Just go to the, the person behind the counter. What what would you recommend? What what's particularly good today? And watch them go. What? Because they won't have the faintest idea what you're talking about. Because they're not trained. To, they're only trained to go. Hello, can I help you? Hello, over here. Hello, can I help you? So just ask him. What what is chef special? <laughs> Just to really annoy them. Go on, it'll make your day, I promise you. You'll walk out with a big smile on your face and go, no, only do Burger King. And that, it'll, it'll be quite funny. Enjoy it. Um, right. 84850, steve I've suddenly realised, actually, that I was even funnier doing that the other day. <laughs> because I love it when people say, how are you? And I think, oh, I don't know, I don't really want to go into medical history. Sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. bit like that. And uh, last week you said... That uh, Darren Brown would not reveal how he picked the uh, the lotto numbers, and you were absolutely right. He didn't. I know, and of course the, w- the machine's broken. The man's just repaired it. Big sign, big sign on it saying repair it. Oh, already. He's only just been down and repaired it. He was fiddling about with his hands inside it. Oh dear. I think we should get a new new coffee machine. Apparently. Uh, It was burning the beans. Oh, well, that's why it tasted bad, wasn't it? Nothing worse than burnt beans. I don't do burnt beans. You know, as you know, because I complain about it. Although, actually, the funny thing is I don't complain as much as people think I do. What I'm I'm trying to get the, the British public to do is to actually get up there and stand up for yourself. The Americans do it. The Americans sit in a restaurant and if it's really awful, they tell them it's awful. You see, we work on the assumption that if you complain about it and it goes back in the kitchen, somebody might spit in it. That's why we don't, we don't complain, do we, in restaurants? I do. Always oh, the first one, actually. Uh, 84850... Uh, oh, sorry, 84850, I'll even speak. Technology can enable anyone to sing. Now, blimey. It's a whole new world. Yes, the lovely Jordan. Poor soul, honestly. Richard, good morning. Greetings from New Haven. He said, I'm sitting in a guest house not a minute from the town centre, and can get LBC fine in my room. Odd, as I can't get it in nearby Brighton. But I'll have to take the netbook into the bathroom to hear you in there whilst I have a bath. I'd rather not go in the bathroom with you if you're having your bath. I mean, I'm not very... To be honest with you, I'm generally not that fussy. But at this, this precise moment, I'm not willing to be taken into the bathroom. I've so a, a great time... He said with the rails in Haberteeth, great weather, shame the sun won't be shining on my trip to La France. It doesn't matter though, does it? it really doesn't. to be honest with you, I really don't think it matters what the weather's like. I couldn't tell if it rains, shines, makes no difference at all. Richard says, Do you remember the group Nilly oh Millie Vanilli? Do you remember them? That those two guys with long, crinkly hair, and they were they were, I think they were former muscle boys. I think they used to be models or something. They lost their recording con- contract because they were caught. Uh, out miming at a so-called live concert. I know it was funny, wasn't it? But there's so many of them do. But what they do now is they they, they tend to sing into the microphones, and Auto Tune this this machine does it for them. So that that's classed as okay because th- then the worst thing is they think that they sing, and you really have to be uh, you have to be honest with them. Oh God, talking about people not singing. The Nolans are back. There's a lovely photo shoot in the paper today of the uh, of the Nolans. Which is uh, which is good, and apparently they're doing very well. They're rehearsing, and they're very tired. Apparently, Colleen in particular is tired. It's because you smoked like a chimney. You must stink to high heaven, I should imagine. But uh, she's out there, and they, they've stuck them all in purple outfits. I didn't think there was enough purple material to actually get all the Nolans in there. But they're gearing up for their for their comeback tour, which is uh, which is a bit sad because they're going to be singing those hackneyed old songs. I'm in the mood for dancing. And that was it. That was it. One of them, they, they, they've also belted out Bonnie Tyler's holding out for a hero. It was never a hit for them. In fact, the Nolans or only had I'm in the mood for dancing. And a couple of other things. I don't know why anybody's remotely interested in their comeback tour. Thank you very much indeed. Mind you, the good news is it's kept Colleen off Loose Women. And that, as I say, is a bonus point as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> uh, oh, dear. Uh, another another one. What do you want? teabag? Mm-hmm. Oh, hurrah. <laughs> hurrah for a teabag. My horse, my horse, my kingdom for a teabag. Who's this here? This is, um, Katy Perry. I think she's a singer. That's about as far as I can go with it. And Alexandra Burke, After a Night Out. X Factor Sensation, Ollie Muir's. You don't seriously believe that name's going to carry to the top of the charts, do you? Ollie Muir's? I don't think so. They'll have to change him. Bert or something. Peter Andre has hired two minders. Amid fears he's being targeted by two female stalkers. (laughs) God. Peter Andre and Minders. (laughs) Oh, good love. That's really sweet. It's a good story, but a bit sad. They have to hire Minders. A little bit of that old bag, Jordan, coming, who apparently is on one of the papers today, going, um, you know, I really want him back. What is it about the word divorce? You haven't quite understood, dear. You really are dim, aren't you, poor soul? Uh, Big news of the week, Anne Robinson on Watchdog. Bad news of the week, the programme is pants, I'm afraid. Not only pants, because uh, here she is, the so-called Queen of Mean, but there's nothing worse than mutton, Trying to look like Lamb and it just does not work. It doesn't work. She has to mention it. Uh, you know, I, I think she's actually better as the Queen Bitch because uh, on Saturday's weakest link special, the East Enders star Rita Simmons was asked the question. Oh no, no, she, she was asked a question. She said to Anne, she said, "Can you repeat the question?" And Anne came back with, "Will it matter?" Which is quite a good line actually. Which is, which, you know, I quite like that. And she's actually good at doing that. But on on Watchdog, it's it's Pat. They've got Matt Allwright on there who's a bit hackneyed and old now, and he looks a bit, he looks a bit out of it. And they were obviously trying to sort of make it fun and everything, and it just doesn't work. It was so much better just with Nikki Campbell. Exactly. I mean, you know, people cheating you, ripping you off. oop oh, let's make that funny. And then Duncan Bannatyne you remember, Anne Ann Robinson said he stormed off after she quizzed him about sunbeds, because he has these uh, fitness clubs, and a girl got on and used the sunbed at 15. And they've got to be 16. Uh, they've got to be ten. No, they've got to be older than that. And um, and she then... Uh, he he then went on the programme. and Robinson said that he walked out. He said, no, I didn't. He said, and I've got proof. LBC 97.3 Morning, everybody. Nice to be company. So there, so there is Duncan Bannatyne pilloried in the Sunday papers, poor soul, because he goes on Watchdog. He quite clearly realised what it was going to be. And he said, well, of course... Uh, when Anne Robinson said, of course, you let this young girl go on the sunbed at 15. And he said, well, to be honest, he said, she told lies. He said, we wouldn't encourage anybody to tell lies to go on a sunbed. And in the end, he said, I had to leave the studio, he said, because I had another appointment to go to. He said, Anne Robinson had fluffed her lines so many times, they were running over. He said, and I didn't have an extra half an hour. So, in fact, the old Queen of Mean, otherwise known as that old bag with the facelift, can't read her lines. Because what they do is they'll say, OK, you do this to camera, and she'll go, Sir, oh, I've messed that up. You want to see the outtakes? Legendary. Legendary, the outtakes of uh, of any show that Anne Robinson... Mind you, not half as good as uh, Ian Wright, the footballer. The outtakes from his show's are hilarious. He cannot read. I mean, we're not talking Bright Penny, I'm afraid, here. Uh, 8, for eight five oh, steve at LBC, dot, code at uk. Wish Jordan would do a parachute jump, Steve, but without the parachute... That's a, that's a wish for most of us. Actually, it was so funny because, um, inadvertently, Amanda's television picked up the Celebrity for Weddings programme. They, they, they've done it before with a lot of really naff people. And then they did the so-called Celebrity one. And she said, oh, my God. She said two of them was that, uh, that Jordan... Mary Pear. You know, the, the her, her, her camp as a as a Christmas tree makeup artist and his even camper boyfriend, two northern queens who wear more makeup than Jordan. I mean really embarrassing. I mean suits like that went out with the Ark. I'm afraid, if we bring it back to biblical terms. And she said, Oh my gosh, and Jordan looking like a giant meringue. The trouble is Jordan is so you remember what, what she looked like when she married Peter Andre, and he sweated throughout the whole thing because they put so much makeup on him. And she turned up in this Disney fairy tale carriage. The trouble is, when you're an old scrawny bag like her, to turn up in anything that resembles Disney, I mean, I'd want to distance myself from it. If I was Disney, I'd be going, You're not having our carriage, love. Jordan, are you serious? You're completely the wrong image. But it was real naff stuff. And this, this wedding of Phil and, uh, and, and the boyfriend. Uh, was just equally naff. I mean, it really was terrible. In fact, you can tell how bad he is as a makeup artist, because he does not only Jordans, but he does Melinda Messengers, both of whom trowel it on. And you think, surely less is more. Perhaps perhaps he's thinking how much he'd put on himself. Perhaps that would be it. Uh, 84850, oh, steve at LBC, uk. Uh, oh, dear, I'll turn over, sorry, the Nolans. Oh, good grief, good grief. Actually, Asta are doing something now that's going to put a few noses out of joint. They've going they're launching an Asian clothing range. Thought to be the first on the high street. They've got a 13-piece selection of tunics, traditional suits, scarves and trousers. So That's good, isn't it? That's lovely. Look at that. you are on a sunbed. Isle of White. Isle of White, good heavens. No sun crew. I need those oh, eyes. did you, oh, you see, I've always said to you before because you're you're fair, aren't you? Yeah. You have you have caught it a little bit. Just a fraction. In fact, if I brought sausages in we could have cooked them by his face this morning. It <laughs> does look Did you go on the ferry or were you strapped to the top of the hovercraft? <laughs> strapped to the top of the hovercraft, my favourite. I love that. I was so disappointed when I went on the first hovercraft at the Isle of Wight. Because you sit there and I think, Oh it's great, we're gonna so sur- no, there's so much spray coming up, you see nothing. Nothing. You you see as you're leaving, it goes down the ramp, and then the next thing you see is going up the ramp the other end. Total waste of time, as far as I'm concerned. 83850, steve at LBC.co.uk. The Queen should hand over some of her land for use as allotments. Yeah, Provided all the people who've got allotments hand over all their fruit and veg that they've grown to us. As far as I'm, I'm aware, I, th- I think that's how it should be. Makes far more sense, doesn't it? Uh, the Sun this morning. Actually, there are a couple of stories that I found in the, uh, in the Sun. First of all, I mentioned Robbie Williams, who's revealed he wants to appear on I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here. I don't think, actually, you're, you're of the right the right calibre to put on that programme. I think you need to be slightly stronger. You're a bit balmy, aren't you? So I think there's, there's no point. No point there. Peter Andres says he wants a nice girl after divorcing Jordan, but it's still too soon for sex. You say, Peter, I don't want to have to point out the patently obvious, because quite clearly I'm sure you're very charming, but you're dim as a brush. Don't you think that your children reading these headlines in a few years' time are going to go, and that's our father? They don't want to read about stuff like that. in In the case of most children nowadays... You know, the very idea that your parents ever did anything like that, it almost is like, la, 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 we don't want to know. You know, if your parents have started discussing, imagine if if these poor children grow up and they suddenly realise that Jordan is the mother and it speaks like that and that's, oh, dear Lord, almost as embarrassing as finding out that your father, you know, who's adopted you could be Elton John. It's not going to happen, I have to tell you. He's going to face a long legal battle. And again, it's, it's designer children, isn't it? It's somebody going out there who's got loads and loads of money going uh, we'll have that one thank you very much indeed him and him and dave furnished apparently they've always talked about it left it a little bit late uh, they are too old under national law however they might have friends in high places uh, i think it's wrong completely completely wrong for elton john to adopt a child it left it far too late Far too late. I mean, he was actually married to a woman at one time. Perhaps if he had children with her, then he could have had his own children. But you don't just go there because a kid looks really cute, and you go, oh, we'll have this one, thank you very much indeed. It's the Madonna syndrome. So uh, I I don't think that that should happen. I think it's unlikely. I think it's very, very unlikely. Um, Every talking about the Beatles, of course. Actually, was it Noreen who said, was I too young to remember the uh, the Beatles? No, not Um, really. Yes, no. I remember seeing them on Top of the Pops... I remember seeing the Beatles on on Top of the Pops, and I think they were singing "She Loves You," and that's it. Because I still haven't, I can't force myself to spend that amount of money. I'm afraid at the moment on a on a box set, no matter how good it is. And the box set I've got to buy is the mono version. I don't want to buy the stereo version. Uh, everybody's still talking about Darren Brown and the the Lotto experiment. I know exactly how how he did it. Exactly, but I'm not going to tell you. Why? Because that I know. Boo! Boo, Steve Allen! Boo! Boo, you! Boo, you! And I can't tell you, but I do know. And I can't even tell you how I know, because then somebody could get into a lot of trouble. But it's, it's actually a bit, bit more complicated than you think. But the the websites have been very active with it. And they've all been talking about, you know, this fantastic trick, and, then, and he did it this way. Somebody actually came up with the balmy idea that there was a laser behind the scenes, which was writing the numbers on the ball. I mean, it shows how stupid people are. As we s- a laser was writing the numbers. I mean, you know, it's it's a ping-pong ball. Do you not think laser into ping-pong ball? It's going, going to go... and just melts quite clearly. And then all these people who bombarded his websites going, please, please, can you tell us the numbers? Do you not realise that how many people there are who have got down on their favourite numbers? One, two, three, four, five, six... So, in other words, if ever 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6 came up, and there's a very good chance it could come up in exactly the same way as any other set of numbers, there's going to be hundreds, if not thousands, of people who've picked it. So your chance of winning decent money is going to go. I mean, the numbers you want to go for are 2, 8, 36, 42, 49 and 47. Those Those are the winning numbers. I can't tell you which particular lottery they are the winning numbers of, but they are the winning numbers. And you can take it from me that it's absolutely gospel. They will be winning numbers. All of them. I mean, if, if you want to risk a pound, that's your problem. I'm just telling you, they will be winning numbers at some point in the next thousand years. They will come up, and the good news is that uh, you can keep the money. So, well done there, if you manage to live that long. Uh, Angela says, hope Brian Capron looks into his family tree. Fascinating story about his real dad. How sad, every picture tells a story. Actually, if you didn't hear Brian Capron, then you'd better go and check out the uh, podcast. And uh, it went out again last night. I forget who it is this week. Who's this week on In Conversation? Oh, it's Vince Hill this week. So this Sunday, this Sunday, it's Vince Hill. Do you see Serena Williams? (laughs) Serena Williams. You wouldn't want to tangle with that Amazonian, would you? I'll shove this ball down your throat. She said to this poor little lineswoman who was sitting there, and this little lineswoman thought, excuse me, I'm not going to be spoken to like that. So she makes an official complaint... And, uh, I mean, it was, it was different when it, when it was McEnroe, because he just came over as a girl's blouse. You cannot be serious and then throw his racket down. Serena Williams looked like, she, looks like she, she could break iron bars. Quite definitely. But she was playing uh, Kim Cloisters in the semi-final, and uh, then they gave her uh, a foot fault, and then she let Ripper made loud booing... After the line judge complained, Serena added, ''I never said I would kill you.'' ''Are you serious?'' ''The trouble is half of them cut.'' She can remember the points, but she can't remember exactly what she, sells, uh, what she, what she said. Uh, ''The monstrous stepdad of Baby P has become a Jehovah's Witness in jail.'' Yeah, right. Yeah, right. I don't think so, pal. I don't think so. I think the uh, rot in hell uh, comes to mind. And Chelsea Davy was out with Prince Harry last night. Do you know, to be honest, I've looked at pictures of her. She's not all that. She's OK, but she really isn't she's she 's very pale skinned she's not she's not great they all they they arrived separately. Pr- Prince Harry of course can't dress up if you actually go to nightclubs now, the idea is you wear a shirt with a tatty with all that money he's just inherited he's probably just inherited six and a half million, I think because his mother's will states that when he gets to twenty five he can have the money, and so I think it was about six and a half million that he got, and he still wears a tatty old shirt. With a, a tatty old pair of jeans. I know that's what they all wear nowadays, but you'd think he'd be setting an example. Never have found Prince Charles dressing like that, would you? Prince Charles would always be absolutely immaculate. Absolutely immaculate. 84850 steve at Oh, Ooh, the Sun Page 3 calendar is, uh, is out. Better order that one. Woo, should we put in a bid? We'll have to get it because it's got all the girls in there. It's got Kelly, and Becky, and Sam, and Rianne, and Katie Lee. Gosh, funny thing is, Katie Lee. Uh, but Sam and Becky look like they're the same person. Mainly because they're both blonde with naff hair. I mean, what is it about bleached hair and page three girls? I've got no idea. At least Kelly looks sort of realistic. Although, frankly, my dear, that skirt is way too short. I don't know if your mother's ever told you. You cannot walk down the high street topless with a very short skirt on. I don't care what anybody says. It's absolutely ludicrous, the things that people are wearing nowadays. Uh, more for the I must tell you, if you're a fan of JLS. They'll be in the building today because they're appearing with Nick Ferrari on breakfast in the last part of the show. Uh, Joey says, you're so right about Darren Brown on his explanation show. I sat there for an hour and it made no sense whatsoever. But I told you that beforehand. What? What is it about the not believing Steve Allen? I said to you, he will waffle for an hour and you'll make not head nor tail of it. He won't tell you. He will not tell you how he did it. Why would he want to tell you? There would be no point. He just comes up with hogwash, and the hogwash he came up with was that they, they surveyed a panel of people and that was their, their answers. So, you know, and I said to you before, it's not going to happen, is it? As far as x Factor is concerned, says Paul, I would say either Ollie to win or the blonde Moppet from Wales. The one thing I found most disturbing was the Scotch nursing assistant with the singing dog, or not. It bothers me that the NHS is employing someone who obviously is not on the same planet. By the way on the ghost hunting thing the other week. Do you notice on several occasions that Boyzone referred to Mr Walsh as Louise? By the way, Millie Vanilli won't be singing or miming as they both got killed in a car crash. And it was Frank Farian, the man behind Boney M. He was also the one who did She's crazy like a fool. What about... uh, That was Frank Farian singing for all of the... uh, the bony M male parts, because you remember the guy in Boney M camp as the proverbial Christmas tree. Made the two makeup artists still look camp, I'm afraid, for Jordan. But well, one's, one's a makeup artist, and the other one does apparently things with MDF. We can't talk about that in the kitchen. But anyway, so uh, Millie, oh, I didn't know Millie Velez died. But I, I knew Frank Farrion because he was behind so much... He was behind the Munich machine as well, I think, because a lot of stuff was coming out of Munich at the time, and it was the, it was the disco era. It was fantastic. And Johnny says, And this week, Darren Brown will be helping to win my £85 million Euro win. And not a bad word about my sweetheart, Serena. Mm. Oh, you can't... She's so Amazonian. She's far too Amazonian. Right, quick time check, because it's Monday morning, and I know you worry about these things. Quarter to six... These are the headlines. It's a year since the collapse of the Wall Street giant Lehman Brothers triggered the global economic crisis. This comes as Boris Johnson's in New York promoting investment in London. Parents want to know why they weren't alerted about an E. coli outbreak at a farm for two weeks. It's left three children seriously ill in hospital. And premium rate phone numbers are to be banned across the NHS. London's weather, sunny intervals later. A high 17 degrees centigrade. Let's have a check on the roads for you this morning. Get you there nice and quickly. J. Louise Knight. Thank you very much, Steve. Stop them with the tubes, actually. Piccadilly line is. Morning, team. 13 minutes to six is the time. Guess who's returning to Coronation Street? Hey, I'm really delighted. Kevin Kennedy, Curly Watts, is supposed to be making a reappearance. He played the unlucky in love bin man for 20 years, and they're thinking of bringing him back. Go on, bring him back. Bring him back. Although, to be honest with you, I watched EastEnders the other night. <gasps> I'd forgotten why we got rid of Ricky and we got rid of Daniela Westbrook. I can't act. It really was pitifully awful. Pity- apart from the fact that, as um, Jane uh, Milligan said on some- yesterday on the programme, she said she looks so peculiar. She just, She doesn't look normal. I mean, that's years of cocaine abuse for you. But to be honest with you, her face looks like it's all screwed up and, oh, God, she looks like one of those trolls that you stick a wig on. And as for Ricky, I mean, the acting obviously has gone out of the window. Do these people, I mean, I don't understand how the process works. You would have thought that they would watch themselves and go, I could improve on that. In the same way, if you're a voiceover artist, you don't just go, uh, morning, Steve, it's official, Tesco and Epping. You go, morning, Steve, it's official. Tesco in Epping has its Christmas lines on the shelves. How long before the carols start to play? We love it, though, Gary. And that's what you do. So when you get Ricky delivering his lines the other day like a complete plank, I thought to myself, that's why we got rid of you first time round. You were rubbish. And, unfortunately, it's the same now. And as for Danielle Westbrook, I mean, she just looks awful. She looks as bad as poor Peter Andre does, holding a family barbecue... With the two children. And he's wearing what can only be described as a sailor outfit. Perhaps he doesn't realise that it makes him look as camp as a tree. Meanwhile, poor Miss Misery guts herself, Jordan, out with a cage fighter. Oh, dear. Poor soul. And, um, gender row runner, Case de Semenya, could sue athletics chiefs after they said she was a hermaphrodite. <laughs> Fantastic, isn't it? It just gets better and better. You just cannot believe the stories of the papers. Oh, Susan Boyle's in America. And, uh, apparently America got really crackers for it. but, I mean, you can set up anything in America. Let's see if she can sing the song, first of all. And Simon Cowell's Dream Home is finally finished. It's cost 15 million, and it's perfect. It looks nice. Nice manicured lawns, nice place to park the cars. Very nice indeed. He obviously lives very happily over in America and over here as well. So that's good, isn't it? We like that. And here she is out on the town again. She's way too old to be going out on the town. Kim Marsh, who's about 75, she's in Coronation Street... And uh, she went out with Tina O'Brien, another one who's put on a tonne of weight and is a bit desperate for publicity. And so she ends up going out with Kim Marsh. Kim, you're 35, love. Stay in, okay? Stay in. That's our only advice. You're looking a bit ancient and haggard, I'm afraid. And they left there till the early hours of the morning. They didn't leave till the early hours of the morning. Um, Steve Serena should have handled it better, but TV footage uh, shows she did not foot fault. She certainly shouldn't have lost her temper. Don't have that kind of thing. We give them a big slap. And uh, and we knock him back down again. Uh, Roman Abramovich has failed to climb Kilimanjaro. Apparently, even one of his team's WAGs, Cheryl Cole, has scaled the mountain. He suffered breathing difficulties and had to be carried down. It's not difficult to do this. It's not difficult to do it. It's like a stroll for a park, but unfortunately he is terribly, terribly unfit. Uh, officials in Tanzania said Abramovich, who flew in on his private Boeing 767, had failed to train sufficiently. I mean, let's face it, if uh, Ben Shepherd, Fern Cotton, Gary Barlow and Denise Van Outen could all manage it, that's actually a very, very old story, actually. Very old story, because I thought they did this ages and ages ago, but, uh, but there. And blokes lying twice as much as women. He says, nothing's wrong, I'm fine. Second lie, this'll be my last pint, promise. No, your bum doesn't look big in that, which was, uh, we said. Uh, the other one, I had no signal. And the fifth lie, my battery died. She says, nothing's wrong, I'm fine. Second lie, oh, the, it isn't new, I've had it for ages. Third lie, it wasn't that expensive. Fourth, it was in the sale. Fifth, I'm on my way. All of those, you've all used them, haven't you? You've all used them. Everybody has told fibs at some point in their life. It's as good as that. I tell you who's got their autobiography out, because they've been serialised in practically every single paper. That's, uh, and, and Dick... And, uh and they're, they're, they're telling their life story of how they sort of grew up together. They now live practically next door to each other. And, uh one of them's still got his hair and the other one's kind of losing his hair. Oh, Richard Hakey is back. Heavens above, he wasn't in when we left. Oh, he- Was Hakey in when we left? Oh, he wasn't. No, I didn't think so, actually. Mostly dry with sunny spells, quite breezy. God, it was breezy last night. Dry at first with broken cloud, light showers after midnight. Uh today... 14 degrees at the moment, should rise to about 20 degrees. Uh, The low overnight, 13 degrees, and the further three-day forecast, because I know you worry. Wednesday, Thursday and Friday, mostly dry with sunny spells, windy at times, high of 20 degrees. Now, Gary, my Sunday boy, is listening, waiting for the gate to open at Gatwick. He's going to Istanbul. Not Constantinople, Istanbul. He says, what flavour Turkish delight would you like to play havoc with your sugar levels? say hi to JLS from me because he's a big fan of JLS, big fan uh, what, what, um, I tell you what, if, if you can find, I don't know if they have it in Istanbul, uh, peanut brittle, because they might have if they haven't got peanut brittle, then we'll have to have some of the, the lemon or the rose flavoured Turkish delights <laughs> which sounds quite nice what time is the gate open? It's now, oh probably about 6 o'clock doesn't it, you can get through there, oh lovely, nice time to be at the airport isn't it, 6 in the morning, everybody else looks immaculately made up Gary will be the one standing there going, oh, just get me on the plane. As soon as you're on the plane, as soon as you can then close your eyes and you can sort of drift away. Uh, Steve, Daniella Westbrook and Jordan should set up a circus <laughs> together. She does look odd, doesn't she? I mean, she really does look odd. Somebody had, had said to me, I think last week, they said, have you seen Daniella Westbrook? And I went, no, I haven't. And of course, yesterday I managed to catch it. And I looked, I thought, oh dear, it was just, it was awful. She just... They don't need to bring people like that back. And as for Ricky, I I wasn't really sure. I really wasn't sure about him at all. Shame, really. Noreen says, Brian tells me, there are several Beatles albums in the charts. I expect you're too young to have seen them live. I never... Don't tell me you saw them live. Don't tell me you went out to see the Beatles live. I mean, that would be good. She said, I was just the right age when they hit the big time and saw them twice. Well, that is something nice, isn't it? That is something very nice indeed. Yasmin Khan will be doing the papers for Nick Ferrari. (coughs) Excuse me. This morning, the postal strikes. Have you noticed? Strange enough, where we are in Twickenham, we're not affected by the postal strikes. Absolutely not affected by it. I've been getting post every day. All oh, bills, of course. So just be grateful. Uh, They're talking about Lehman Brothers. They're also talking uh, today about uh, fire. Have the union stop representing the will of the people on spending cuts. Uh, plus, of course, uh, they'll be talking to JLS. Nick will be talking to JLS live in the studio. There you go. So you can ask them how much they've made already. That would be a very good question. Have you made a lot of money already? And the answer will be, no, we haven't. We have to wait for the money to come in. And then, of course, it's got to, uh, got to go to the agent, first of all. I think that I can't remember if they're Louis Walsh. I'm, sh- I'm sure, actually. I thought that was the same sort of thing. Uh, Pat, last week I sent you both, this is me and Alan, uh, an email rear hokey pokey glass to hold ice cream One made especially with the inside much smaller than the outside to deceive the purchaser into thinking the amount was much more than it really was. Hence, a lot of hokey pokey, meaning some form of deception. I found an old photo in an Edwardian photography book of the hokey pokey man, usually Italian. And if you look carefully, you can see the upturned glasses in the vendor's car. Thank you so much for that. Thank you so much. I can't pronounce that Italian. Ecchi ecchi or ecchi ecchi. Italian for look, look. Hokey Pokey was called out by the ice cream seller, but it comes from the Italian... It must be ec- ecchi, ecchi Is it something like that? Some Italian listeners will have to tell me how I'm pronouncing it. Probably blooming awfully, I should imagine. But that's what the Hokey Pokey thing was. And it was really, really good. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Uh, another one here. Oh, Richard, the same tired old email. You really must get a life for yourself, poor soul. He said you're having your rant about Christianity. It wasn't a rant. That was fact. It wasn't a rant. Rants about Christianity are things that perhaps you do. But, uh, no, no, no. I was giving you fact. But you, you bang on about the same tired old thing every time. You're very tedious. I mean, no, you can't help it. It's not your fault. Uh, 84850. He says, of course, you don't talk about Islam. I wasn't interested in Islam. The discussion on the programme was not about Islam. You're stupid, aren't you, Richard? Never mind. Not your fault. Dawn said I had a fabulous time at the gig because she won at the Regent's Park Open Air Theatre. Great place. Great place. Lovely venue. I have been there. Brilliant sound. Very lucky with the weather. Quite nice evening. No rain. First, we had some of the cast from the Jersey Boys on, singing some oldies, such as December 63, for about 20 minutes. Then John Allen. That's the guy that Dawn is a fan of. Brilliant. Then we had Jamie Cullum. Hadn't seen Jamie live before. He's fantastic. Oh, he's great, isn't he? Isn't he great? I love Jamie Cullum. We must get him in, actually. And uh, at one point, he decided it'd be a good idea to jump up onto the grand piano and sing from there. He also came right up an aisle to the audience to do a song, encouraging the audience to get out of their seats, which is good. Yes, Steve and his, uh, his extended holiday. <coughs> it's not bad, is it? Not bad at all, I'm afraid. Steve, when driving the cab, says Johnny, I allow myself one good conversation for the day. After that, I enter into the white light mode, which means I'm not listening to anyone or talking other than saying thank you when the fare gets out. Nothing worse than a big mouth, no all cabbie. <laughs> That is true. Actually, years ago, people used to talk to you. But I've since discovered in the back of cabs that they have a... So if you're on your phone, they can listen in to your conversation because they've got this little two-way thing. So he can sort of sit there and I can be saying... So I always, I always pride myself in doing a conversation that's going to shock him. I always go, they're buried under the patio. Don't say anything. You can see the look of panic on his face. They can't get me out of the cab fast enough at the end. It's always very good. Or, I'm in this cab number. If you see the driver, OK? Have you got him in your sights? Can you see him now? That always amuses them as well. <laughs> Anything like that, just to, just to put, a, put a smile on somebody's face first thing in the morning. Because I tell you, there's some Balmies out there today. Imagine they were out there yesterday and the day before, so it doesn't really make too much difference. So listen, after the news, we shall attempt to find Susan Spence with... Oh, we're not going to get Susan Spence today. Oh, do we not get Susan Spence because... Because... Yeah the, yeah, the car didn't turn up. OK. Did the car not turn up? or Right. No, hmm. OK. Could have been not booked. We're not sure. So, either way, no Susan Spence today. So, she's going to go straight home. We're, we're, we'll make up, will we? Oh, how are we going to make up for it? We're going to send her money. That'd be nice. OK, listen, we'll take a short break for the news. and we'll have more from the papers, more of your texts and emails. 84850steve at uk. We weave them all into the programme. Why? Because we love you. M-I-C-K-E-Y M-O-U-S-E. Doesn't spell Steve Allen at all, does it? I knew it didn't, but it is LBC. Boss! But- you know, on Monday I went to Wix and saved money with the Bible... Morning, team, coming up to eight minutes past six. Monday morning. Nice to have your company. I trust you well. trust your weekend went very well indeed. Bad day for the sheep, I'm afraid. The sheep gets it. Remember the sheep at the, that the kids owned at the school and then they all voted, or somebody voted, to have the sheep butchered so that they could sell it and then buy some pigs also rear, and then, then, and apparently some, some of the kids are in tears and all this kind of stuff. You think, I've never heard of a school that's got a sheep. I mean, but that's, that's what they do, unfortunately, you know, and I don't know what people say but you can guarantee that this Christmas, there'll be a story of a turkey escaping from a farm to stop being slaughtered for Christmas, and then, you know, the nation will rise as one, and we'll all go, we must save the turkey. And uh, like you know, we had to save the Tamworth too, the pigs and all the rest of it. They escape, and then the same with this sh- with the sheep as well. I'm afraid, but I think this one will be going to the slaughterhouse because they they need the money to uh, to buy the pigs. So the fight to save Marcus the pig is due to be taken from the safe farm where he's being kept to an abattoir later today, and thus his life will end. No sign of a last minute reprieve by the headmistress. Andrea Charman, she looks a bit a bit bullish, to say the least. Uh she came up with the idea to her pupils of rearing animals on the school farm, but now the pet the children become attached to is set to turn into part of the Sunday roast. Well know, I'm laughing actually, but I mean that's what happens to them. It's it's a fact of life, I'm afraid. Uh, the mirror has revealed that the school want to use the proceeds to raise pigs to turn into sausages. Plans have been temporarily put on hold until a meeting of governors, parents and teachers is held to discuss the storm over Marcus. One parent claimed that Miss Charman was outside a local pub at the weekend, advertising the raffle. Well, there you go. However, you remember Butch and Sundance? That was the the Tamworth Two. And uh, they escaped the chop 11 years ago. Yet they still fear they'll end up in the Sunday roast, because... Since their recapture, they've lived in a bungalow, complete with a garden watery wallow and ensuite bedroom. At 12, they're well past middle age and will probably only live two or three more years. Sundance, the grumpy old man, is six times heavier than he was in 1998. And despite the high life, the pair have often tried to flee the rare breed centre in in Kent. And the owner of it, Davy, says deep down they yearn to be free and fear going for the chop. But when their time comes, they'll be cremated and placed at a pet crematorium up the road. God, gets worse, doesn't it, I'm afraid. Phoenix... You remember the calf that survived a foot and mouth funeral pyre? Died last year, aged seven. And uh, we don't we don't mention any other animals that have been. Su- I don't remember that one at all. I don't remember Phoenix. I remember a turkey. I'm sure I remember turkey. I'm sure I did. Oh, talking of turkeys, so here's the Nolan sisters again. There they all are. Look at that, looking as though they're just about ready to be shoved in an oven. My God, they're hefty hideaway girls, aren't they? The thought they're actually going to be doing... They're all, they look as if they're all in Botox. They're like that, I'm afraid. It's all a bit worrying. <laughs> all a little bit worrying. But uh, I, haven't, I haven't managed to catch up with anything, actually, in the sporting world. Mainly because I don't do sport. To be honest with you, I know nothing about it. There's no point in, in talking about something you have very little interest in. But we do follow the horse racing... And unfortunately, that's very disappointing, as you'll find out when we have a chat to Matthew Schofield a little bit later on. Have you started saving for Christmas? I know that people have, every time I mention Christmas, people go, will you shut up? But loads of stores are now selling Christmas stuff. And I wonder whether or not you, you plan for Christmas. You know, some people put money in each, each week into a Christmas club so that when Christmas comes, it's not actually so much of a, of a wrench because you've got the money there. A friend of mine used to pay into the butcher's for no reason other than he just liked the butcher and he just wanted to pay into the butchers. And then at Christmas time he had a few hundred pounds and that covered Christmas for him because the butcher did everything. They didn't just, just do meat, they did, you know, he got, got his turkey and he got the stuffing and he got this and that and tin fruit and boot. They, in fact, they seemed to do a hamper in there, which is quite nice. Uh, Matt in Manchester says, will you be watching live from Studio 5 tonight? This is the, uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I will have to watch. No, I can't, I've just realised I don't get Channel 5. Oh, there's a mercy. It's Ian Wright, ghastly presenter. Melinda Messenger, oh, uh, awful, I'm afraid. Two, you know, great at sort of doing the... getting the boobs out, but presenting, no. And Kate Walsh, she was that failure from The Apprentice. I mean, it was, it was remotely interesting. Three people who've got nothing... I can't believe she's doing it. Three people who've got nothing in common. And this is the trouble with television programmes, in particular television, where they think you just shove people together and it works. Well, it doesn't, because you bet your bottom dollar that uh, one of them, it'll either be Ian, Melinda or Kate, will think that they're better than the other ones. And that's where you will get the trouble starting. And hopefully, you know, it'll just disappear. Uh, Steve, I meant to say, come dine with me with Biggins and Phil Olivier was on again this weekend. So funny, I never tire of seeing it. Remember you saying months ago when the Peter and Katie fiasco began that you hoped it wasn't a wind-up? I'll be honest, after seeing Pete in the papers, minus the top, and then with a tacky T-shirt with the date on it... Actually, we have an update. If you didn't hear yesterday, uh, he actually Twittered and said that that was a fake picture. He said the picture was old, and that they'd put the T-shirt on, and they'd written something on it. He said that that wasn't, uh, wasn't genuine. How he said... But, he, but Paul does say, he said, that would also fit in with Katie bleating on in the papers about how she wants him back. I can only hope if this is the case, the British public will treat them with the contempt they deserve... It would be awful, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it be dreadful to think that they've actually gone down the route of sort of, you know, going through the divorce? A divorce. But, of course, I mean, she couldn't care. It's just it doesn't mean anything to her at all. She doesn't even know what it means. He didn't know he was being divorced that day. Eamon Holmes had to ask him. He said, you know, you're getting divorced today. And then they start you start thinking, are you stupid? You know, of course you know when you're getting divorced. And that's why you have to start asking the questions. You don't think they're going to go down this route. And then in a year's time, they're going to have to get back together again. I hope not. I hope not. I mean, it would be dreadful, wouldn't it? Uh, have you been to Gloucester on your travels? Never. Never. Yes, why would I? Can't think of any uh, any reason uh, why I would need to go there. Uh, there's also Michael Jackson's secret sister. This is uh, Giovanni Jackson. Now, I've never heard of Giovanni Jackson. This is the mum who's... Uh, the, the the mum of Giovanni was a lover of Jackson's dad, Joe. Because he just puts it about all over the place. I mean, just... Just atrocious, I'm afraid. Close to her father and amazingly gets on with Catherine. But almost all of John Voney's well-known brothers and sisters treat her as an outcast. Of course they do, because the father slept around. Why would you want to... This is somebody else coming to... I don't think so. I don't think so. As I say, Michael Jackson never liked his father. He thought he was a nasty person. But anyway, mum of one John Voney says, I feel rejected by some of my family. They're not your family, love. I know you might want to think they're your family, but they're not your family. Then it's it's not your fault, I know, but it's it's just a bit sad. my God, she's enormous; she's absolutely huge. I mean, look, a picture of the. I mean, she's 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 quite large. As people go, and and it's great. But she says when she went to meet Michael Jackson, because bearing in mind Michael Jackson... he's not interested. They might share the same father, but that's as far as it goes. You know what the father does outside of the marriage, and uh, and he said he he was so cold it hurt me. Well, because he didn't see you as his sister, that's why. Why would he want to? The father had, you know, with my mother, we're all the same family, and you're with somebody else, dear. You can't just walk into a family. But anyway, now you're making your 30 shillings because you've sold your story. So they all do it. Tomorrow, she's going to be telling you more Michael Jackson revelations. To be honest with you, I couldn't give a stuff. Couldn't care less, I'm afraid. But it's ridiculous, isn't it? No, that's why they've not welcomed you into the family. Because you have different mothers, and they're not interested. What his father did... the Jackson family washed their hands of ages and ages ago, and I never understood, changing the subject very, very briefly, uh, this uh, child protection register. It now means that technically if I go down to Epping to take out my godchildren and one of their friends comes out as well, I should have to be vetted to make sure that I can have them in the... How stupid is this? Not at all surprised. Nobody knows what they're talking about with it. Quarter past six. News headlines, Matthew Schofield. Barack Obama's duty. OBC 97.3. Morning, everybody. 6.20 is the time. A letter from the Queen Mother, in which she recalls how she ducked like lightning when Buckingham Palace was bombed during the Second World War has just been released. The reason is that she's got an official biography out now, an autobiography written by William Shawcross. I wonder if it will actually be an honest autobiography. I if it'll put down all the things that the Queen Mother was against and uh, how she hated, um, you know, certain members of the family. That would be very interesting, wouldn't it? You know, I think uh, for for all the, the people who are fans of the Queen Mother, I think all we saw was a little old lady going, oh, she'd be everybody's favourite grandmother. Tough as old boots, ladies and gentlemen, tough as old boots. She didn't want something, whoosh, practically off with the head. You remember, of course, after the uh, the Duke of Windsor, uh, abdicated and went over and then married Wallace Simpson. And I remember that uh, the Queen Mother wasn't talking to Wallace, it would never have spoken to Wallace Simpson. Never. And in fact, at his his funeral, when they brought his body back, she never said a word to Wallace Simpson. Hated her. Hated her to pieces. All the Queen Mother liked was a bit of gambling and a bit of booze. And that was it. And they kept her frozen to death in that blooming mausoleum of a house, which Prince Charles now owns, together with St James's parents. He's gradually got more property than the Queen. He's not done too badly. Except, well, he hasn't done very well because Duchy of Cornwall not doing well, so they've flogged it on to Waitrose. And so Waitrose are now going to be looking after it. But I thought that's the only place I've ever seen it on sale. The other thing I'm I'm querying, and I should have asked him when he came in, the boss of Marks & Spencers. I thought Marks & Spencers were going to be selling other companies' stuff in there, like Heinz. Well, I've seen no evidence of this. We were told this age more than six months, six months to a year ago, and they were saying that uh, Marks and Spencers because they only sell Saint Michael, they don't sell anybody else's stuff. And you think, so when are we going to see this? And they said, yeah, definitely going to be seeing this. And then then we never saw it. Strangely enough, very very odd indeed. But anyway, the Queen Mother's autobiography out, and um, they're going to have this this letter. And troubles at the end of the letter, being a typical royal family, she went. At least our beloved BP wasn't hurt, Buckingham Palace. And you think, yeah, but you nicked it anyway. It wasn't yours. It was just they just went around the country that we'll have that. We like that. We'll have that house. It was owned by the Earl of Buckingham. He he, he built it for himself and the royal family then took it and they added different bits at the front. You look at early pictures of of Buckingham House uh, and it looks roughly the same at the front, but they've put um, relief over all the windows to make it stand out a little bit more be quite nice. I remember years ago, people were talking, strangely enough, about uh, all the homeless people in London. Uh, why? Because they've got something like 650-odd rooms in there. Why can't they turn some of them over to the homeless? We don't want the homeless wandering up and down the corridors, thank you very much indeed. It's bad enough, with the staff in there, who are not allowed to bump into the Queen. If ever the Queen is walking down a corridor, and there's a, and there's a servant walking, because they're but one of the only people in the country who still have servants, uh, they have to hide behind curtains. They're not allowed to bump into the royal family. Somebody told me a story the other day of a, of a celebrity, of a very, a very well-known and much-loved celebrity, I won't tell you who it is, who, when they fly on a particular airline, the steward and stewardesses, and uh, this particular celebrity always flies first class, they are not allowed to speak to this celebrity. They are forbidden from speaking to them. And somebody phoned me up and said, have you heard this story? I said, oh, I knew that ages ago. I knew that ages ago. But I remember Lauren Bacall. She did a show in London that had children in, or perhaps it was out of town. And the children were told, do not speak to Miss Bacall unless you're spoken to. And you think, blimey, there is a hierarchy, isn't there, in this world now? Because you're not supposed to speak to the Queen. Whereas I would want to lean forward to go, how are you doing today? Had a good day? How's it been? Looking very well, very well. How's the old man? But until she speaks to me, going, Steve, we love your programme. You know, that's the only thing she could ever say to me. It'll make me feel quite good. But I'm not allowed to talk to her. And yet, strange enough, I think you can talk to Prince Charles. It's just the Queen you can't speak to. It's, a, it's this, this strange hierarchy which only operates within the within the royal family. But I'd love to say, how are you doing? You look really good. Who, who designed that dress the other day? Very nice. You look very good there. What do you eat? Because you're quite rotund. I mean, are you eating a lot of fatty stuff? Have you had a kebab recently? Have you Have you ever known the delights of pushing a trolley round Lidl? You know? And, of course, the answer is no. They never know this. Have you ever known what it's like to sit at red traffic lights? No! Because they go straight through them. Shame, isn't it, really? Uh, the uh, the bemused dragon, Duncan Ballantyne, uh is in the Day and Night column in the paper today. Talking about Anne Robinson and saying how, you know, she kept fluffing her lines. And that's why he, he had to leave the studio. He said, I didn't rush out at all. He said, we'd already said to him, listen, I can't stay any longer. I don't have any more time. I had an appointment. He said, I did not storm out. He says he's questioned the tactics used by the programme to get the story. A 15-year-old lied to say she was 16. I don't think it's morally a good idea to encourage children to do that sort of thing. He also disputed a Robinson claim that uh, a serious melanoma she had removed in 2001 was caused by sunbed exposure. He said exposure to sunlight could also have been to blame. He said, is Anne saying she's never been out in the garden, gone to the beach, built a sandcastle with a sun on her back? Is she saying she's lived her whole life in a darkened room? How lovely. Apparently, two days before appearing on the show, he did change the age limit on his sunbeds from 16 to 18. I didn't realise that there was an age limit. I, th- I thought, you know, anybody could go and use a, use a sunbed. There you go. I haven't used one for ages. I'll tell you for why. I think if you're diabetic, it affects me. The last time I used one, my skin prickled like there was no tomorrow. And I thought, oh, don't like that idea. <coughs> so I, I didn't, didn't do one again, actually. I came out. I could have a spray tan, but frankly, I don't look good in paper pants. I don't care what anybody says. You know, I've got that to look forward to when I become incontinent. But at the moment, you know, I, I don't want to wear paper pants. I'm sorry, the idea of standing there and people sort of dowsing your body in a liquid colour is not, not my sort of thing at all. I mean, I don't know if anybody in this building has got... I mean, there's a couple of people I've seen who look as though they could be having the paper pants syndrome. Well, you know, I've, I've looked at them and thought, would you have a fake tan? for some reason everybody likes a tan do you know why because we all look good when we've got a bit of colour going on you get roughly the same through alcoholism you know you drink enough booze you get sort of ruddy complexion but that, you get a red nose but that's but that's you know people like a bit of colour remember coming back from holiday once Dale and I went to the south of France and I came back and I didn't realise how brown I was until I took my Speedos off in the shower and they sort of they hit the floor with a bit of a thud because I was slim, you know, really slim and very, very attractive. Uh, a bit of a god and uh, on the beach, you know, doing me exercises. And I remember thinking, all of a sudden, you've got these white bits and then you look at the tanned bits and we didn't, I don't think we used any, any sort of uh, after sun or suntan lotion or anything else. And I was amazed at the colour and you really appreciate it. And yet we opened up the... Uh, bathroom cabinet, and the woman who owned the flat, which was just off the Croisette in Cannes, had a whole range of fake tans. The whole bathroom cabinet was full because anybody who lives in Cannes, if you want to preserve your skin you don 't go in the sun, so you cover it with fake tan because sunning is really... you can see people who sit in the sun because they look very sort of craggy and I watched a program the other day with uh, the crocodile hunter, Steve Irwin. It was a tribute to what he'd done. His little daughter, Bindi, was on there. Very articulate girl, very articulate. And his wife and his father. And his father looked like a typical craggy Australian. He really did. You you looked at him and you thought, oh, wow. But it was was very interesting looking back at the man who sort of loved animals. I couldn't have touched any of the animals he touched. You know, the idea of chasing a snake. At one point, this snake buries its its fangs in his arm. Me, I'd have screamed the place down. He just goes, ow, and takes it. Apparently, his, his little body, his father said... He was in so much pain in the latter years of his life. He said, now I know he's got no more pain. He said, and that's the bit that makes me feel happy. But you looked at all the animals. He picked up these crocodiles. and uh, These crocodiles which could just, just eat whole people. They were so, so big. I mean, absolutely enormous. But it was when this snake clamped its jaws on his arm, it was at that moment I thought, I'll go out and have some uh, some lasagna. Kind of take my mind off it. London's biggest conversation. Well, after last week and my gentle persuasion, or nudging, to make uh, Matthew go each way, if you'd gone each way on Friday, you'd have had a little oh. bit of money in your pocket. Here we go again. Third. When Here we go in, again. Oh, that's right. Steve, on I'm me. always right, Alan. Well, well, on this one, I was. I said go each way, and it was third. I told you so. You'd have had some money. Right. You'd have gone... Might have only been a couple of shillings in your pocket, but I've often said to people, a couple of shillings better than holes in your pockets. Good. <laughs> or mince pies or something. Well, they were nice. <laughs> they were good, weren't they? Tarts, you'd, you'd be they delight- were, weren't they? Not pies? Tart. Well, no. You somebody said- explained to me the difference. Somebody said that if they're tarts, they don't have a top to them. And I said, but these have a top to them. I think it's to keep the whisky in, to be honest with you. It's a-, a mince pie is a mince pie, let's exactly. be honest yeah. Let's not muck about it. It's got nothing to do with Christmas, though, I don't think. Right. It doesn't, it doesn't have a sprig of holly on them or anything like that, but it is, it is Scotch whisky, and I'm particularly partial to that. You'll be lucky. You're, you're, you're lucky today. I've got another two boxes. So oh, good. <laughs> Whoopee. <laughs> Unfortunately not for you, because you didn't win anything. Oh. So, uh, only one winner. Not good enough to avoid the fun and games at the end of the year. You wait till you see the list of forfeits we've got for <laughs> you. Blimey, I tell you. Uh, so, Alex had Monaco second. If he'd gone each way, you would had some money as well. Oh, so he didn't? No, he didn't. Ah. No. it's uh, not just me. No, it's not. Well, there's only two of you playing. Yeah, but, you know, <laughs> you were trying to imply that I was the, the failure here well, for not, you know, <clears throat> heeding your advice... And, and he didn't either. Listen, there's three of us in this relationship. Don't start now. <laughs> His total losses are £13.62. Yours... Our £66.50.80, before you say anything, we know it's not all you. There's <laughs> a little bit of it as you. Right. So today we're off to Musselboro, the 450 Spirit of Coniston, which we've had before. So I think that's where Donald Campbell's uh, Bluebird crashed, Coniston Water, I think. Mm, yes. I did. So that's what he's gone for, win only. I'm also going with Musselburgh, although there are other meetings at Redcar and Leicester. Uh, my newsroom nag runs in the 4.20, Mr. Huey. Mr Huey and I'm reliably informed that Mr Huey has won his last two races so I'm supremely confident. Right. And and you're not willing to take the Steve Allen each way gamble? Third time lucky. He's he's won two. Okay. They, these things come in threes, don't they? So Absolutely. Uh, yeah, definitely dead cert. All right, Matthew, we should find out tomorrow morning. Thank you. Thank you. Take care, Matthew Schofield. So that's the, that's the bet for today. Ooh, I don't know, you do worry, don't you, about these things. OK, it's now uh, 24, one, one, two, three, four, 24 minutes to set. Do people really worry about that? I mean, how many people now do not have wristwatches or clocks? I mean, in my particular place, I've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine clocks on various pieces of, pieces of equipment and things like that, plus a wristwatch. That's how it works. That's how you see it. And I often wondered, you know, if people are sitting there going, I wonder what the time is. Oh, it's 23 minutes to seven. I remember years ago going to a hospital radio, and every three minutes, because DJs technically can't actually think of anything to say because they don't have very much time, so they generally give you a time check. They tell you the station. They tell you the song you've just heard. So, if, But if you're in hospital, every three minutes they are reminding you that it's only been three minutes <laughs> since they spoke to you the last time. So if you're lying in bed and they go and it's now 20 to 7, it's now quarter to 7, it's now 10 to... And you think, oh, this day is going to drag. Don't tell me the time. But we have to first thing in the morning because many of you are probably sitting there. I never understand it in the morning. I get off the train at Twickenham and the train has pulled in and people are running over the bridge. You think, why didn't you get there early? There's no point in sort of leaving it till the last minute. Run over the bridge. And they do. People run. I've seen people taking off high heels and literally running down to try and make sure they get the train. I almost go, please wait, please. I'll do the same on buses. You can guarantee, as I get to the bottom of this little road here, all of a sudden, the bus that I want will be going past, but I don't mind, because I've got Linda LaPlante to talk to today, so it'll be for a, a future In Conversation. And uh, this week, it's Vince Hill, the lovely Vince Hill, not to be missed. That's on Sunday, between 7 and 8, repeated at 9 in the evening, and then you can podcast. Come on, hands up who has who has been to the airport recently, and you've taken the car, and you've thought, I wonder how much it is to park? And then they tell you. Airports have been accused today of ripping off passengers for parking. Fees can add up to 45% of the cost of a cheap flight holiday. For those who turn up without booking in advance, a week's parking, London City Airport, if you pre-book, a week's parking is £186. (gasps) However, if you turn up without booking at London City Airport, it's £252 for the week and £504 for a fortnight. That's for parking at London City Airport. If you don't pre-book it, £504 for a fortnight. The short-stay car park works out at £287 a week, while two weeks is a whopping 574. At Heathrow, the pre-booked fee is £63.90. Gatwick is up to £62 and Luton £67.99. The average across 10 British airports is 45 quid. London City Airport is astronaut. So, in other words, if you don't pre-book £504 for a fortnight, For par- I'd expect to take the blasted car park with me. Excuse me, I've parked it on this piece of tarmac. I'll take it. I've paid for it. I own it. Unbelievable, isn't it? Oh, I suppose it caters to businessmen. A businessman, well, it doesn't, doesn't matter to me. Oh, can't think of anything. I mean, that's an awful lot of money, isn't it? I mean, I wonder how many people do that. That is just absolutely astronomical. We do love Alan Titchmarsh. He's got uh, his latest touching and nostalgic memoirs. Not as not as touching as Linda LaPlante's book, it has to be said, which, again, is full of murders and twists and turns. And she does spend a lot of time, in the past, she's, been, she's spent a lot of time in uh, mortuaries. In fact, it was in a Russian mortuary that she passed out for the first time because they forgot to tell her that what a lot of people do in mortuaries is they suck peppermints to take away the smell because there is a smell attached to death. She said, and at one point, and I shall be mentioning this on the interview, there were so many bodies being fished out of the river that they literally used to drop them down a chute. They would then be hung up on, like, meat hooks and their number written on their bare flesh because they had so many bodies. Why would you ever, out of all the jobs you could ever do in the world, you know, like driving a bus, being a radio presenter, being a television presenter, being a makeup artist, sort of, whatever happened to baby Jane, uh, anything like that. Why would you ever want to work in a mortuary? I cannot understand it. Perhaps it's a vacation. It's like being a nurse. You know, people go nurses. It's a vacation. You go, yeah, that's fantastic. But then there's, there must be another side to it, which is not very pleasant at all. And that's the side of, you know, you sort of think... And then people go, I want to work as an embalmer. And you go, whoa, I don't think so. I don't think I could do that. Even though I have done a little bit of that kind of thing, but that's another story. Uh, Well, I haven't actually done embalming, but I was there when they embalmed somebody. Because I used to work in, in a store where we had a funeral directors, and sometimes you had to go and help them lift somebody out of one box into another. they used to do embalming. Uh, Paul says, heard you mention you can't get Channel 5. Try rescanning your box as if looking for new stations. Uh, plug in a signal booster. I I going to get a signal booster today? I might get that, actually. Did I tell you I went down to my brother? Oh, I did. I told you yesterday. Went down to my brother's and managed to offload the contents of the boot of the car. Quite pleased about that. All the Christmas stuff, so that's good. He's actually very happy at the moment. And uh, Colin says, I heard that Paul O'Grady was going to adopt Marcus the pet sheep. He can't take any more animals in. It's just ludicrous. m and at Bluewater sell Coke, and baked beans. And um, uh, Phil says, is your local m and a small shop? Perhaps they're not large enough. MS Watford has had branded products for months. So you're all telling me. And um, I live in Dorset. And a friend had to supply some lambs for a Madonna photo shoot. She was told not to talk to Madonna. How strange. Isn't it funny you get these people... Don't Don't talk to them. Don't talk to them. Instead of lasagna, says Philly, should have had snake and kidney pie. Ooh, I love snake and kidney pie. I couldn't eat snake. When this thing clamped its jaws over, I mean, oh, it would just, just, just sent me, you know, off into another world, I'm afraid. Uh, loads of items in Mark's. Thank you, Angie and Fran. So you've all got them. Obviously, it's not our one. See, Lola says they sell brands like Marmite. Not in our one. Lynn says the Cheshunt Chescent, Chescent? Branch? Chessent branch. And, um, and John says, I've joined Costco, the new Croydon store. And now I understand why you talk about it loads. And uh, Cheryl says, I've joined the Jackie Lawson site after you mentioned it on Sunday. So there you go, you see. Because it's so cheap to send cards, Christmas cards. Once, once you put people's email addresses in, it can send them at a certain date. It's, it's so cheap. It's like ten quid for three years I paid, or something stupid. And you can send as many cards as you want. Steve, I once fell asleep on a sunbed and came out like a Walker's Crisp. Never found out what flavour. I fell asleep under a sunbed as well, but just on my legs. Just on my legs. And uh, they were burnt to a crisp. They were red. You could almost sleep. You know, like the cartoons, they go... Tum, 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 and it all vibrate. And you look at these people who've sort of trapped their hand in a door or something like that. And it was like that. Oh, it was agony. It was agony. £8 pounds an hour at City Airport, says Paul. £8 pounds an hour. <gasps> that is a lot. And uh, one here... I heard it's that celebrity, for some strange reason, goes all regal and insists no crew speak to her. I would regard it as a as a blessing, Steve. <laughs> you are right. It is that, that person, actually. It is that, that person there. And I, I was surprised. But apparently they do go very big time. Very, very big time. And they go, do not speak to me. Do not speak to this person. And you think, who are you? Goodness. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? If James O'Brien was like that and he said in the office, don't speak to me. Don't speak to me. Oh, wait a minute, he does do that. It's unbelievable. Unbe- we have to say, I'm, I'm not allowed to look at him. Don't look at me. Don't look at me. Don't look him in the eye. Look the other way. Look the other way. I'll speak to you when I'm ready. OK. 16 to 7. This is LBZ Valor. So, don't forget Nick Ferrari after the news at 7 this morning. Yasmin Khan will be going through the papers. Lehman Brothers, year on. As we said earlier, is the recent recovery we've made real, or could the economy lurch back? Charlie Parker and Vince Cable... Uh, plus they're talking about the postal strikes. To be honest with you, most of the country are blissfully unaware that we've got postal strikes. All I know is at home, I'm getting all the posts. All the bills are coming in and everything else. It's very exciting. But here, not very much is getting through at all. So and they, they reckon, was it 20 million packages, parcels, letters and everything else? Ridiculous. Uh, plus they're going to be talking uh, to the London Fire Commissioner. That's uh, Ron Dobson. And is patriotism a type of brainwashing Or just taking pride in your country? I was taking pride in your country. Uh, Plus, for fans of JLS, they'll be live in the studio at 9.37. So, that means that Leicester Square will be full of little people shouting, JLS, JLS, JLS! All outside. Uh, Noreen said, interesting what you were saying about the car parking at the airport. We're flying on Thursday. We booked a taxi from home to St Albans to Luton and return. 40 quid altogether and we land late at night. I, I totally agree with you. I mean, I think that's the best way to do it. It saves you having to worry about the car, you know, sitting in a car park. And if you leave the alarm on, every time the planes go over, they set them off. So that's why people have to trundle around the car parks um, with batteries to recharge people, to get them on their way. And also, you know, when you've seen these car parks, they're vast. Why not just get a car there? It's so much easier. As long as they're licensed, it's uh, it's fine. 84850, steve at uh, Another one here. This is uh, from... Oh, somebody else telling me how much it costs to actually uh, park at the airport. Uh, Dee says, I don't do sunbeds, because like you, the last time I did, I felt all itchy and stung. Would I try good fake tan, as long as it didn't come off on the sheets? Yeah, I agree. Shocking news from Brentwood High Street, says Mark. The Sugar Hut nightclub was hit by a big fire last night. Fortunately, it broke out before any customers had gone in, and all the staff escaped safely. Police and fire, great job, but it took nearly two hours to put out. We had one in Twickenham. We had a fire in Twickenham yesterday, apparently over on, uh, on Eel Pie. And uh, another one here. Uh, this is for another good sight for free cards smile box. Actually, I quite like the moon pig cards. They they're quite nice. They always they always look uh, quite good. And uh, there was a big wedding at Hampton Court the other day. Princess Michael of Kent's uh, son, Lord Freddy married a commoner. Now of course I don't like this interbreeding. I'm sorry about this. You know, as far as I'm concerned you've got to marry royalty, but this is this is actress. He's married an actress, a very lowly profession if you ask me. But uh, hardly any of the royals were there. Harry and William were not there. Charles, Camilla, the Queen. Well, in fact, the Queen wouldn't go because of protocol. It's b- bizarre, isn't it? They wouldn't go. Anyway, I think they all see her as Princess Pushy, Princess Michael of Kent. Because they managed to negotiate a deal on the wedding dress. And they said that had they paid for it full price, it would have been 200000 But this only cost them 50000 Because it was Hampton Court and it was for 400 people. Some of uh, the guests, because the the bride is known for her role as Big Susie in Peep Show. Big suit... Well, it's common. A common little actress, I'm afraid. Into the royal... Fl- Good Lord, she'll be meeting the Queen and everything next. But other people there. Claudia Winkleman. Uh, there was... Uh, who else? Is she Claudia Winkleman? I wonder why Claudia Winkleman was oh, there. her sister. Oh, that's why Eve Pollard was there. Oh, and uh, Jane Asher, Princess Janie, was there as well. Uh, looking very miserable, and the bridegroom's sister, Lady Gabrielle, and uh, Lady Helen Taylor, was there. I have to say, the Princess Michael looks spectacular in this gown. It's, it's one of those sort of, you know, she, she looks very good for age. She must be, what, 64, 65? She looks fantastic. But she's wearing, it's a purple low-cut gown, emphasising the bosom, and, um, and then she's got the sort of bow at the front. It looks really good, actually. It's one thing the royals know how to do. They know how to dress properly. They do, although we don't expect to see the Queen's bosom, do we? We don't have to keep that well, well covered, I should imagine. Uh, yes, it's funny how a lot of other people are complaining about feeling itchy when they do a sun Perhaps it's us. Perhaps if you're on certain tablets, you know, things are a, a little bit uh, different. I think London's airport car park prices must seem very cheap to MPs. I bet they pay by their expenses claim, says Claire. I don't know actually. Do you think? Do you think they actually drive and park there? I don't think so. Do you know? We're also. Turning our noses up at posh nosh at the moment. Do you remember when pubs started doing sausage and mash and people started going, Oh, sausage and mash. And it became the staple. You could walk into the Ritz and go, Have you got sausage and mash? Certainly, sir. So. And every posh place was doing it and you think, Oh dear, it's such common food. Well, now it's all coming back again. All the food that we liked as a comforter. The latest thing to come back is angel delight. Now. <laughs> I quite liked it. We had it in the studio because Alan Dodgen and I made it one day and, and it, it used to look... And man, didn't like it at all. And we tried different ones because there is Angel Delight and then there are various versions of it. It was like... I used to laugh. And I've told you before, The Bird's Trifle... Which came in a, in a packet, and the bowl on the front looked enormous. When you made it, it was the si- size of a small dessert plate. <laughs> it was the tiniest thing; it wouldn't have fed a, a mouse. But Angel Delight, they say, banana flavour. Angel Delight, pure genius, a taste to tempt any palate. And, and people, go, and do you remember all those crispy pancakes that you could buy as well, which burnt the inside. You take off the skin off the roof of your mouth. Wagon wheels. It's all coming back. All the, all the food that you remember from from years ago. I mean, strangely enough, of course, I, mean, I remember when Alpen came on the scene. I think it was like eating coconut matting. I think it was very tedious. And you've got to watch the, the, the sugar content in all these things, because they're absolutely terrible. The, the things that are making comebacks as well at the moment, bacon frazzles and penguins. And the latest thing that's making a comeback is frozen party food. Frozen. Go to Iceland and for ten quid you can feed, well, Kerry Katona, I should imagine, at least. But probably other people as well. And they're also now saying that uh, monster munch, fab ice lollies, all up again, arctic rolls, all the kind of stuff that you remember from your childhood, it's all out there. One whiff of a bird's eye chicken pie crisping in the oven is enough to transport thousands of us back to a, a childhood of scraped knees, Clark sandals and afternoons dappled with sunlight or the quiet joy of a new Enid Blyton and a Mivy. A Mivy Strawberry angel delight, still as pink as Barbie's tutu, Carnation milk and fray-bentos pies. I know people who still like fray-bentos pies. I don't remember ever eating one. I can't remember, even in my poorer days. I must have had one at some, at some place. Uh, Jamie Oliver, it's the fish finger sandwich. You, know, you can't beat it. Get some, some soft rolls, or actually, it's, cause it's easier in rolls. And do some fish fingers for, got to be bird's eye. Sorry, nobody else would. Have. The Marks and Spencers ones are not bad, but bird's eye, really. And then you put four in there, a little bit of mayonnaise. Oh, delicious. Comfort food or what? Comfort food or what? Absolutely de- delightful. Uh, very quickly, Sherry Blair is uh, spending as much as a quarter of a million on antiques to furnish her and Tony's 18th century Buckinghamshire mansion, which they paid £5.75 million from. It's not a bad dig- gig, is it, really? And, of course, they bought it. It was once owned by Sir John Gilgood and his uh, partner. So she spent a quarter of a million. Crikey. On what? i suppose can't be that difficult to spend it on sort of on antiquey cute. This is just the place in the country for them. We've got a three million place in town, and then um, a place out in the country. I've, I've seen the interior of the house because I think there was a photo shoot done there ages ago when it came on the market. It looked lovely. Five point seven five million. Would you buy it? Yes, of course you would. And Michael Caine, I already told you to blow the bloody doors off yesterday called on the government to provide greater help for the disaffected youth of Britain. Sir Michael, who is starring in a film about a widower who takes revenge on youths who kill his friends, said that young men who turned to crime needed help and not prison. I mean, in a way, I agree with him, because when they go to prison, they learn more how to be criminals. And and that's the way he says that uh, uh, we've got so much in common, actually, Mike and I... So much. Ag- I agree with him. The trouble is, it's 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 very difficult to educate people when they don't really want to be educated, and that's the trouble. I agree with you. Angel delight, delight is just a posh new name for Blamange. Oh no, Blamange was completely different. <gasps> Blamange, delicious. Uh, Steve, last weekend we avoided parking at London City because it cost fifty four pounds for Saturday morning through to Sunday evening to pick someone up at Stansted. It costs two pounds for fifteen minutes, and then goes up to five pounds for fifteen to thirty minutes. Four days long stay car park at Gatwick, twenty six pounds only. I love the way that we say only twenty six pounds, like it was cheap. Twenty six pounds. I bought petrol in the car the other day, and I was paying one pound twelve. I think well, yes, it was one pound twelve. And I remember thinking at the time, one pound twelve. Who's making all this money? And the answer is, it's the government. It's the government. Be nice to see another petrol price war, please bring it down. Let's get it back down under the pound again. Let's kick Gordon where it hurts, as they say. Sugar Hut used to be the White Hart. It's an original coaching inn and listed. Fire. Terrible news for Brentwood, says Linda. Oh, that is awful. I'm trying to think where it is, actually. I must have to go onto the internet and find out now. An original coaching inn. God, blimey. Uh, Don't forget JLS live with Nick Ferrari this morning. In the studio at about 9.37. I'm back with you tomorrow morning, between the hours of 5 and 7. Don't forget to podcast the programme, please. You know it makes sense, and if you don't know what podcasting is, it means you can listen to all of LBC's... You know, you might think, oh, I wonder what they were doing a year ago. You can go and podcast. Go to lbc.co.uk, learn how to podcast, and you can check out all the photos of the weekend team, the weekday team, the old LBC presenters. God, there's enough photos there to keep you happy for years and years, plus all the podcasting. Have yourself a nice day, leave you in the company of Nick Ferrari, with you next, right here on 97.3. This is Marley.